Welcome to the Fit Femme Project Alignment Podcast. It is here that we cultivate and gather all who have been through it in fitness, relationships, careers, lifestyle changes, and unforgettable crucial life pivots trying to achieve their most sovereign selves. We're here to provide you with thought-provoking, detailed stories and information from truly fascinating men and women from all walks of life, professions, generations, and modern-day sagas who speak to their rawest, darkest moments that made them the strong, decisive, humble, helpful, healing people that they are today. We ask them to hold nothing back because life is a multi-dimensional pursuit to be stronger, healthier, and more aligned mentally, emotionally, and physically. Let's go. Hi, it's Caitlin. And it's Nicole. <laughs> that was such a bad intro. <laughs> this is so loud. Um, anyway, we're back, guys, for this episode. I don't know which one it's going to be, but um, yeah, I'm sitting down with Coach Nicole, and today we are talking about the power of optimism in fitness, which I love. I've always been an optimistic person. Um, but why is it important in this subject, if you will? Yeah, we're going to have some amazing stuff to talk about. Well, for one, optimism is like, um, I feel like it's, I feel like people confuse optimism. And so you, I'd love to know your thoughts. People confuse optimism with like positive affirmations and like it, and that's temporary. Oh, like, um, I don't. No, toxic positivity that or like optimism's not realistic like it's not serious enough for something like a big life change like being healthier or even you know maybe career or family or something like that yeah do you feel like when op- when you hear optimism it's like yeah it's that's maybe not you because you're optimistic <laughs> but like i'm always looking at the bright side <laughs> but it's like it, for, like i feel like in fitness uh you don't really, and in health, maybe the health and fitness industries, like people don't really talk about optimism. They're all like, no, you have to be serious and you have to like push hard and you have to grind. Yeah, you have to hate that word. I use it a lot. Yeah, it's like, it, it, and, and, and so the reason we're talking about optimism is so important because I think it helps to really distinguish between optimism and like actually define what it is so that people understand why it's probably going to change the trajectory of their fitness journey so (laughs) i'm excited (laughs) we probably pressed record way too fast (laughs) but we've been excited to talk since we sat down like it's been a while since we've actually recorded so this is exciting we're in a new spot if you guys can't tell like Um, sorry. Okay. Yes. Optimism. I think, oops, I forgot to get that. I think that in, I, I see what you say, you're saying about it being kind of fake and like, I got to be positive or the, the influence of people, geez, the influence of people just being like, no, you got to disappear for six months and <laughs> like, no. So then what do you, what do you mean by like, give me an example. So the, um, you know, and of course, like, like I, any, the reason I think this is important is because of my own personal experience and what I've seen with my clients. Um, like, people want really lasting change. They want to, let's say, like, lose weight, but they also want to feel good while they're losing weight. Not just be physically healthy, but be mentally and emotionally healthy. And we can get 
like at least for me, like I noticed my clients who were getting great results, but they're like, I'm still nervous about when's like when the other shoe is gonna drop. Like it's not gonna last. Like mm-hmm. you know, I know all the good, all the right things. I know more now. I know more about my body, and that's great. But there's still something I can't quite shake, and there's like this nervousness there, and so. I had to dig more because I just do that. And you can see these books here. Oh, they probably can't. Oh yeah, they can. These books over here. <laughs> but um, which ones are they? Oh, this one is Authentic Happiness by oh, Martin Seligman. And then um, Learned Optimism by Martin Seligman. And then Trauma and Memory by Peter oh, Levine. That sounds great. <laughs> Both <laughs> spectrums. <laughs> but um, optimism. <clears throat> What I so based on these books that I've been reading and then just trying to connect with what my clients have been experiencing, and not just my clients, I'm talking about like you know, what you see on social media, you, know, you see the world, especially in the United States and the Western world, like we have all this health and advancement, but people are getting sicker, and I'm like, that's true, and they're not wanting to, it's like there's just this general. Like maybe, and I'm sure this is just me, but there's just this general consensus of like, there's like, we don't, there's nothing we can do. Like, it's just going to get worse and worse. It's just the way it is. Like, yeah. Ugh. And that bugs the crap out of me. So. Oh, I see what you mean. Cause like there, there is a better way. Like yeah. people are just accepting it as is like, well, what are we going to do about it? Nothing. Yeah. When there is. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like this helpless. Yeah. Kinda like it's just the trains roll and we can't stop it type feeling that does bug me too i get it yeah <laughs> so then um with like optimism what optimism is is basically seeing what is good now instead of seeing what is bad now so a lot of people are maybe pessimistic inadvertently unknowingly because since like i don't know when when was sigmund freud was this like a hundred years so <laughs> wait oh so um, nervous yeah, like long time ago. Long time ago, like I was uh, before I was a baby. Yeah, like, no, definitely like yeah. before us. But it's like ever since then, there's been. And what I love about this man, Martin Seligman, he's kind of this. Uh, he's dubbed as the father of positive psychology. Oh. Like since Freud, there's been this general like in psychology and therapy. There's been this kind of general like, well, how should people live? What is the meaning of life? And the general consensus is. Avoid suffering. That's what you do in your life. Okay. Right? It's like, whatever you do, make sure that you're just kind of staying one step ahead of depression, one step ahead of anxiety. That just sounds like avoidance, like, not necessarily the best way to go about it, it, if you take it the wrong way. You really are an optimist, because that's exactly what Martin said. And he's like, that's so depressing to think about it that way. He's like, there's got to be more to it than that, because he was doing (laughs) studies, and he's like, you know, some people can just get through you know, uh, obstacles and, um, negative events so much more easily and move on with their lives than other people. And he's like, what is it about those people that are able to move on? Oh. How are they able to like, so he studied them. And, um, so what he basically came, what he came down to, and he's actually, and I didn't, I'm listening to like some updates he's doing recently, but he found that people, there are people who are probably more pessimistic than others. And what pessimism is, is there's kind of like this, um, it's usually, there's this permanence and pervasiveness, meaning permanence, meaning like if something bad happens to you, you have this belief where it always happens to you. Something bad, like, oh, that always that happens to me. That victim mindset? 
It can, yeah, and, 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 uh, and other things, but it's basically on the helplessness kind of spectrum, there's like, if something bad happens to you, like you gain the weight back, you may think this always happens to me. Mm. And there's this always never kind of vocabulary mm -hmm. that can hard, be hard to catch. Um, and then by pervasiveness, that means um, this always happens to me, but it also affects other areas of my life. Like I, I, I gain the weight back and I can't get a good job. That's the reason I didn't get promoted. Something or, good happens, but then something always bad always happens. Yeah. Or like saying, yeah. Or okay. like, um, I'm losing connection with my spouse and my marriage. And, and so there's kind of like whatever negative thing happened to you, it kind of seeps into other areas of your life. Mm. It's not just a one in like singular event. But with Optimus, what he noted was whenever something bad happens, they make it temporary. They're like, oh, I gained some weight because, you know, I just have a lot going on at work. Doesn't mean anything's wrong with me. Like, it just wasn't a good time right now to focus on it. Right. Or with um, pervasiveness, like Optimus don't think that when a negative event happens to them, that it's going to impact other areas of their life. So like if they say... Like singular moment. Yeah. It's yeah. like a one and done. Like if they gained weight, they're like, this does not mean that... Um, because I gained weight back that my marriage is now going to suffer because I'm oh. incapable of keeping the weight off. Oh so. yeah. I can see how people tie those things together oh a lot God, because yeah. of whatever issues. Yep. Yeah. So, um, and it's, a, and that's really important to pay attention to because, um, I think I mentioned this, like maybe not, but I like to look at things from like a three prong perspective. Like when I study precision nutrition, it's like, it's called biopsychosocial. So you look at the biology. <laughs> I mean, I love big words to you. <laughs> well, it's kind of, it's a mishmash of three. It's your biology, psychology, and so like your social life, basically. Okay. Those three areas are important to people. And so, um, the pessimism, pessimistic attitude, if you will, can kind of show up in those three areas. And so when I see with my clients, when they're talking about, um, you know, stuff going on with their relationships, how that's not going well, because things are not going well with their health and fitness, like I can see how it helps me see how optimistic or pessimistic they may be. Mm, right. So the reason that it's important to really determine if you're more pessimistic or optimistic is because that is going to like... That is really going to shape the sort of, I would say, like, the, not just the journey, if we keep it within health and fitness, it's going to make that journey actually worthwhile. Oh. Like, instead of avoiding possibly gaining weight in the future, going from that, you're just more optimistic and you're thinking, this is going to last, I'm having a great time. And that's really, it feels very light. It feels very joyful. And it really changes the entire, ex your entire experience of what you're trying to achieve. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, it's, I mean, the way I would put it in layman's terms, maybe <laughs> is like just really shifting your mindset mm -hmm. over. I kind of, I think I kind of talked about this in a minute, the mini set recently, um, about, how when I change my mindset of like rather than focusing on like the short-term girls lose weight you know look better fit better in my clothes I looked at the long-term goals of living longer having a clearer brain not being in a wheelchair at 80 you know things like that and then everything else just got easier yeah and that's very in line with what Dr. Seligman talks about it's like people who are more optimistic think that the future is better is going is better and it's going to be better than the past Okay. Okay. Yeah. I like this. I should read that book. 
You, yeah, you would like these. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I've had I've had friends who are just like you're the most positive person I've ever met. And I'm like, well, I just don't. I one just don't like being in negativeness, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily like we just I mentioned about avoidance rather than dealing with the problem. Like I'll deal with the problem as fast as possible because I can't stand this. I don't like this, how I feel. What can I do to get out of this? Like I just, I can trudge through the mud. I don't, no one likes it, but I can trudge that mud real hard if I have to just to get the hell out of here, you know? Well, and have you always been that way? Yeah, I I feel like it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, that's one thing that, um, was really hopeful for me is because I'm yeah <laughs> not very optimistic. I'm actually more pessimistic than I thought I was. But what's really fantastic is while some people are really just naturally bored optimists like you, some are just not. And that's not and you can actually go from being a more pessimistic to becoming more optimistic. And that's really what gives people hope and what I hope yeah. will, you know, we can explain here and really what I work on with my clients so that they aren't so, like, they're not carrying this dread behind them as they are improving their health, improving their relationships, improving their body in a way that they want, but feeling like it's not going to last. I feel that, um, you know, with the whole nature versus nurture thing, like, mm-hmm. being a optimist or pessimist is definitely a nature thing, and then switching the two is nurture, Oh, right. I think you're honest. I would agree. Yeah. Right. Cause I don't know if they explain that in that book where it's like, okay, yeah, your DNA might say that your brain is just wired to look more at the negative. Yeah. And then it takes time. I mean, you could go the opposite. Like if I, <laughs> if I had enough horrible shitty things happen to me and I didn't have the uh, self help that I've had, then mm-hmm. I could probably see myself becoming that pessimist and just hating the world and life because of these huge things that happened to me that were horrible. You know what I mean? I could be in the victim. I could choose to be the victim. While some people are kind of more wired to be in that mind space, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you bring to mind, there's this term called the hedonic treadmill. Have you heard of that? How do you remember this stuff? Because it's one of my strengths. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Like, I read... I. That's why we... Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but, like, that's why we connect so well. Because, like, I love this stuff that we talk about, but, like, remembering it is another thing. (laughs) Sorry, what is that? No, it's... It's, um... So, the hedonic treadmill is this concept that psychologists use to describe where we can learn to take in new things but we also take it for granted and so it's kind of like this treadmill it's like we want you know one cookie but then suddenly we want two cookies and suddenly we want three oh that's me and wine (laughs) (laughs) yeah everyone it's everyone has is on a hedonic treadmill on some level in some area in their life or several hedonic treadmills like interesting um, but it can go kind of like it can backfire in a way where you can become addicted or you can become too mm. scared. So like for me, when I was binge eating, like I would have one cheat meal and be like, oh, this is great. But then I think, okay, well, can I get away? You know, I really want, you know, another slice of pizza. And then that I start feeling, but then I'm like, yeah, but then I would be like, oh, now I feel guilty. And then that would lead into depression. And, and so spiral, like, mm-hmm. okay. So I think that's one thing where pessimistic people, cause this is what I thought I was like, optimists are just fooling themselves like you're and everyone's going to end up on a hedonic treadmill everyone's going to end up just trying to in the end avoid feeling bad the optimism isn't a lasting like, mm, lasting okay thing. yeah because for me if i had 
five more glasses than I should have of wine. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll feel the same things. Like I'll feel guilty. I'll feel shameful. Like, I can't, Kaylin, come on. We, we talk about this every weekend or, you know, <laughs> but it's just like, oh, well, tomorrow's a new day. <laughs> but that's, it's like the, that's the, I'm trying to think of like an example. Like that, that is a great example. Um, but it's like you can never, and, and it ties into like dopamine in the brain as well. And, um, you know, kind of like that pleasure, that point in our, or place in our brain where pain and pleasure kind of co-located. And it's like, no matter what good thing you get, if you want to have the same feeling from it, you're either going to have to have the same amount or probably more is what ends up happening, especially with food. Like one cookie next week just won't suffice. It's gonna have to be two cookies. And the following week, like two cookies are just just aren't quite gonna scratch the edge, so you gotta have three. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think what is helpful with determining how to build more optimism is it kinda helps balance that like you get off that treadmill, that hedonic treadmill, where you can learn to truly be happy with one or two glasses of wine or one or two cookies instead of needing more and more and more and then it just kind of starts losing its luster after mm. so many and losing its um you know pleasure or right. whatever yeah so. I, I i've seen myself over the past like two years get like that with not just wine guys <laughs> but you know other stuff where although i still have my days where it's like all of it the whole bottle what's up yeah. <laughs> um but then there are other days where it's like i just want one and like I'm happy with that and I forget that I want more or would want more you know in a different setting or whatnot and mm-hmm. I'll wake up the next day and I'm like why can't why can't I do that all the time like <laughs> but you get tired more and more of like for one feeling those guilt and that mm-hmm. shame and Lindsay and I kind of talked about this where you just get tired of your own shit like come on yeah <laughs> well and also I think you're you probably really perceptively perceptively you're like my world's getting smaller like I need so much wine to have a good time but you're like there's more to this party than just wine yeah but that's 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 me too is like I you know with the Enneagram (laughs) um our capital sin is lust the lust for intensity experience is so like yes the wine adds to that element Mm -hmm. the people add Mm -hmm. to that element the experience like this thing that we're doing adds that I need it all yeah (laughs) And yeah. so along with that, it's like you're not altering the amount of lust you're seeking. Yeah. It's just what's providing, what's the external source providing that. So yeah. for instance, if you want to, for anyone, like if you want to like lose weight, um, you can di- you can direct that attention, that lust for conversations with people, which means you're kind of opening up your like options and that you're going to lose weight if you're not putting all that less towards wine, for instance. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, and, but learning to be okay with, you know, like using things, I, I guess, to help give you that feeling, but that aren't going to lead to weight gain. Right. And, and the way that I would describe that is, is finding intensity other places. Yeah. So the gym does help, but it's just, I've been doing it for so long mm-hmm. that it's just like, yeah, I squatted 200 pounds, like <laughs> next. <laughs> but like when it comes to, it doesn't mean I need to go skydiving or something that gets my heart rate pumping, mm-hmm. but just finding intensity in other areas that don't have calories. <laughs> yeah. No. And that's, yeah. um, like for instance with binge eaters uh i don't always say binge eaters everyone because i used to binge eat but it's like um 
there's like food is the only thing that will provide some kind of relief or comfort okay. and so it's can be it can feel scary to try to find the same amount of pleasure by stepping outside and Ew. feeling the sunlight on your face like <laughs> no but it works the more yeah. you do it repetition that's why it helps like having someone like to walk you through it's really hard to do alone right and so that brings up the you know the whole optimism part where when you step out in nature runs being like this sucks i just want my you know almond butter you yeah. know <laughs> or my yeah um but when you're doing the other things that you know you like like you liked doing that but it wasn't just didn't scratch that itch mm-hmm. um thinking in your mind like this is actually great look at the birds and the trees look at the sun this is a really pretty day you know like thinking of the beautiful things that are happening in that moment is that kind of yeah yeah okay and it's easier to do that when you are doing it by like I'd say using your strengths I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later but it's like you don't have to force that on yourself there's a much easier way to to do that let's pause real quick okay Okay, sorry, we had to pause. Our camera came out on us. <laughs> All right, where were we? We're, talking about, we're just talking about, like, strengths and stuff. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, now that you say it, like, everything comes flooding back. It's, um, we were talking about how to, you know, transition from using a lot of food or whatever it is that brings you a lot of pleasure to using something less damaging. Say, yeah, but it's like, I don't want to use... It's not in alignment with our goals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So like going outside or petting your dog or listening to music or something, using something that's, you know, maybe not quite as stimulating immediately, but that does provide a more long-term pleasure. Um, it's easier to want to want to do that when you are using your strengths. So this is where like the Enneagram comes in. This is where, um, you know, outside resources come in like you know for I'll, I'll say for my clients having a coach or having someone you trust in your life um and there's also like there's this strengths test that I like to use but uh that's when you find out why for instance you like going outside that's that really helps as much as just wanting to not overeat mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense but yeah, yeah. It, it just it kind of goes back to like rewiring your brain yeah you know, and that takes time and it's it takes time because you've done the, you know, binge eating or the wine drinking for however long and that has scratched that itch for so long and it takes time to find the new things to, um, to like change that out, just switch it out. You know, I'm trying to figure not necessarily figure that out for myself, but just like telling me like, it's okay to drink obviously, but, um, maybe not as much or, you know, let's control it this way. Let's, you know, have the, the, the water in between you know just like the little things mm-hmm. and also finding new experiences or new things that I can do during those moments when more can I go out and we're out with friends like what can I do to like enhance this the way I want to but just differently you know yeah and so the question I would ask you is what is wrong with like can there also be something right with not having wine well, yeah, <laughs> but in like in the moment, because in the moment, it's that question's not hitting you. Oh, right. You're just like, yeah, hey, give me a glass of peanut. Yeah. <laughs> but that's where, um, so that's where, um, if that's where you want to get to, okay, rehearsing ahead of time. So I tell people, oh, I do that. But yeah, it's in the moment is is really hard. So I'm just like, Woo, 
everything. <laughs> Let's go. Because <laughs> the thought of not having that glass of wine or being denied it would probably infuriate you. Um, when I was younger, yeah, I'd be like, I need a buzz right now. And God, I sound like an alcoholic. <laughs> you replace alcohol with like, for me, it was food. So I mean, yeah, no. well, um, but I could always like for everyone's purposes and for my <laughs> reputation, I always kept it under control. Like I yeah. can drink a lot, um, but I would never get blackout drunk. Mm-hmm. I never like went on benders. I didn't do it all day long for yeah. days, you know, things like that. So I always kept it under control, never threw up. <clears throat> but when I was younger, that doesn't mean I you never used alcohol to like cover negative emotions or things like that. Cause when I really started drinking in my mid twenties, like, this tough times. <laughs> oh, so I was in the Navy, so. Yeah, so um, if I was like, if there was nothing immediately around me when it was an appropriate setting to drink, mm-hmm. like I wasn't like waking up being like, where's, where's my tequila, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was like for going out or, you know, hanging out at somebody's house and girls night and they didn't really have much. I'd be like, oh, fuck. But you wouldn't know I was mad. I'm really good <laughs> at covering that. But now it's just like, oh, great. This is, like, great. Now that I don't have to worry about, like, controlling it, it's already yeah. done for me. <laughs> yeah. That's so having that external help really helps. Uh-huh. Yeah. And having someone make it those decisions for you or, yeah. But I think people still, and correct me if I'm wrong, like, they still want the power themselves to be able to say no. Mm, yeah, the control, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, uh... I'm like that, but not in this situation. <laughs> so, but, and so that's where, and that's where I'm like still learning uh, for myself. And where, where I actually, I work, I've read this book with a few of my clients and we go through questions. We do it together. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And it's, but it's helping them like in ways that they didn't even anticipate. So huh. the, um, I'm going to pick, I'm going to read that. It's, yeah, it's really good. And the. But we talk about it too. We talk throughout the week. We talk about it at check-ins. And like just because they want to get to the point. So the women I work with will want to get to the point where they're not, where they're like in a social event. Or here's an example. One of my clients, she's, um, she's dating someone and they'll go visit his family. And his mother makes this, they live in Italy, but she makes oh. this delicious gnocchi. Oh. <laughs> it's like, I mean, you can imagine. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> and so she'll tell me, like, I love that, you know, her boyfriend's mom makes, you know, specific food for her. Because, you know, my client, she's vegan. She doesn't want to eat meat. And okay. so she's like, I'm so grateful that his mom is making this food for me, but I can't control myself because she'll give us a box to take home, like mm-hmm. a container to take home. She, you know, my client's like, thank you. But in, the, in her mind, she's like, damn it. <laughs> she's like, this is not safe around me. I'm going to eat it. And I don't want to because oh. there's so many calories and I'm trying to lose weight or not overeat. And she, you can't say no, like mm-hmm. it's in like not inappropriate but like she just do. doesn't want to go there she doesn't yeah. like she doesn't you know I, th- I think you can get to that point but she's just um she's just not there yet she doesn't have to be immediately like it's, right she just doesn't have to be right she wants to get to a point where she can have all the gnocchi in her house around her and she does not want to want it i see yeah okay yeah and so um but for her she's actually I don't blame her for one <laughs> Sorry, keep going. <laughs> like, how's your neighbor? I'd come over. Yoki for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, but 
But with reading this book, she's like, you know, I haven't wanted, she hasn't overeaten on the days because we'll read this book and she'll answer the questions I send her. Um, and it's interesting that it does like food doesn't even cross her mind on some days during typically triggering hours, like after work, before dinner. Mm. Um, and they're like, when you really apply what, how to be more optimistic, it just works. <laughs> Our camera gave out on us. I'm so pissed. <laughs> You know what? They're just going to get a half version. Whatever. Let's just go. <laughs> we have, yeah, we have content for it. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt again. Keep going. Um, so the getting to, because I'm like trying to think back, like getting to the point where you're in those moments where it's just you and the gnocchi or you and the wine or like with me and the, um, like I wish I had read this book when I was binge eating, but like me and the almond butter. Mm-hmm. In those moments where it's just like you two, like how can you get yourself to not go for the wine, not go for the gnocchi, or not go for the almond butter? And the best way I've found to get to that point is to rehearse ahead of time. That's why we do check-ins. It's like it prepares you for the rest of the week. You talk obstacles through with your coach. You talk about wins through with your coach to help you anticipate what might come up during the rest of the week that might get in your way. But that's kind of along the lines of like what Freud was saying. It's like, how do you avoid feeling bad? Right. Okay. How do you avoid suffering? But that's not the point. The point is how do you um, enjoy what you have and look forward to what you're going to do during the rest of your week instead of dread avoiding or dread what you don't want to do. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so I was trying to think of a different way to put it. Like, But either way, so it's like, rehearsing ahead of time I always I'll tell my clients like if they have certain obstacles especially when it comes to other people in social situations they'll be like you gotta journal or you gotta go on a walk and you gotta visualize and feeling like you gotta put yourself in an embodied way you gotta think things through pretend you're actually there and how you're gonna feel and let that feeling come up no matter how difficult it is and uncomfortable it is so that you have practice understanding what you might feel in the moment when you're in front of the gnocchi or in front of the I should do butter. that like because I do think about that like okay you know you're going out tonight and like in during the day I'm like I honestly really don't feel like drinking mm-hmm. um and I don't feel like tracking the calories mm-hmm. <laughs> you know uh, so I'll think like okay I'm just gonna tell Mark and I've done this before and it obviously works but he'll just be like another uh, club soda lawn because that's what I'll tell him like just order me that mm-hmm. and he'll but he'll ask me every single time and I'll just be like just give me a tequila soda. <laughs> My mom's like that. <laughs> like, I'll have a couple club sodas. I'll feel proud of myself. Like, one one is not a big deal. A thing of, like, tequila is, like, 90 calories or whatever it is. I'm like, it's fine. Oh, that feels great. Let's do another one. <laughs> so it's a matter of, like, if I'm going to do it. Like, one, sticking to the plan <laughs> would help. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously just being like, don't ask me, Mark. <laughs> so supportive I can't put this all on him but he'll just be like whatever I gotta do just, just let me know it's so sweet but yeah just sticking to the plan for one and if I go off plan it's not a big deal yeah. and but just reeling it in you know sip on that drink a little longer mm-hmm. or just do every other you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. so that's kind of that's where I trip up a, a lot is mm-hmm. just sticking to that plan or just sticking to an alternate plan not just going off the rail <laughs> yeah like you do give yourself grace that's so important like that's why i like talking about it like i'm not perfect guys we're on the weekends i i do 
can like by the pool. I'm like, yeah, let's just just give me that uh, little drink or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I, that's why I like to talk about it openly because I'm not, you know, you or Lindsay or Casey who could just do it. <laughs> I mean, now probably it wasn't obviously yeah, it wasn't like that for a long time. <laughs> but I'm in the I'm in the trenches with everybody else. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh my god, for me giving myself grace was like I literally did not understand what it meant. I was like, either I'm perfect or I binge. I was like, that's my world. Oh really? It was one or the other. Oh my god, for years and so yeah. Finally, when I got the concept of grace, I was like, oh, my life doesn't have to suck so much. It's like, my middle name. <laughs> oh, that's literally. Amazing. I remember I was like, when I was growing up, I'm like, I should really like lean into that grace yeah. name. <laughs> it's an amazing word. Um, so you would say that you were more, obviously more of the pessimistic. Mm-hmm. So when did you start like kind of reeling out of that? Like, cause I wasn't getting results. Okay. Like I always like the scientific method to me just makes sense. So I kind of look at. I look at things backwards. I'm like, am I getting the results I want? Are my clients getting the results they want? And then if the answer is no, and we have all our resources available and the timing makes sense, but the results still aren't there, I investigate. I go backwards. I'm like, well, what are we doing? What are we not doing to get those results? And then that's where the sticky stuff can come in because it's like they, like, for instance, um, it depends per client, but like my client with the, the gnocchi in Italy, like, Um, she'll, she knows what to do and what not to do. But when she has an urge come up when there's certain food in her house, so the emotions and the mindset and the beliefs and maybe pessimism, um, and certainly other thoughts come up, that's where you kind of have to start. It's like, imagine like a big ball of yarn that's all intertwined. It's just a mess. You've got to start pulling that a little bit and making it a little clearer and a little Mm. more, um, organized so that the same because it's just food it does not deserve a the sense power. of panic yeah. yeah like the the response does not match right what's going on and so that's where you know a lot of work we do with our client with our clients is like understanding yourself in those moments <clears throat> and um what you're thinking and how you're feeling so that the actions that you know how to do and maybe some actions you know not to do are easier to take because then that's how you'll get the results you want Okay, yeah, I'm just replaying what you just said. <laughs> I'm, like, thinking about that. Um, no, that makes sense. Um, so? So, for me, like, because you had asked, like, how did you get to the point where you aren't yeah. needing food? And, like, it, for me, I feel like I did. It took me a long time. I did the rehearsal piece a lot. Like, I would go on walks. I would journal. Um and I would try stepping outside instead of stepping into my kitchen. But I'd step outside for five minutes and then I'd go straight into my <laughs> kitchen. So I failed a lot. And so I didn't, I stopped binging, but I, I, didn't, I didn't lose weight. And so, but I wanted to lose weight. And so that meant I, looking at, I was looking at my results. I was like, I'm not losing weight. Why? And I'd be like, okay, because I'm not eating in a deficit. And I'd be like, well, what's, why do I not want to eat in a deficit? And that's where fear mm. would come up. I was like, oh, I'm still scared of feeling hungry because in the past like that's trauma to the body if you're starving yourself a long time so your nervous system is going to remember that yeah but then also um thinking back on like well I don't want to be in a deficit because for for me a deficit would instantly I would associate that with past diets that just never worked and as a pessimist I think I can never make it work right and the deprivation and the like I'm always going to be hungry Mm -hmm. it's going to be the worst but I always took past diets so personally (coughs) 
I yeah. think it was something wrong with me that I couldn't make it work. So that's that's clear on like the pessimistic side of things, which is you know we see with a lot of people um, who want to lose weight or keep it off or you know just change reach a certain goal, whatever the goal is uh, in their life. But it's like if you think things aren't working because um, it's you, like you really have to look at the facts, and that's where you start understanding like okay, well it's not you that didn't make the diet work. Like maybe intermittent fasting, maybe the diet didn't work, not mm, you. Yeah. And that's where you start getting facts and you start getting <clears throat> clear and you start becoming more optimistic. You're looking, you look at, um, cause there's really nothing wrong with you. Your body is like perfectly normal. If you gained weight after trying intermittent fasting, it just means intermittent fasting was not for you. Or it just means that time in your life, maybe cause your mother died and you were moving houses and you had a baby, that's not the time to lose weight, yeah. right? So, um, but it's not you. And so really starting to look at past events, and I'd say current events too, but for the actual facts that they were, meaning detaching emotion from yourself to those events, that is going to show you, like, you can see with more, a more greater, more clear perspective what actually happened and that you can distance yourself away from that thing and say, no, it wasn't me. It was just this diet. It just didn't work for me. Yeah. And that's where that grace comes in a lot. Yes. Just kind of stepping back, like you said, and just looking at, I guess, your life or the circumstance or what's going on in general, just stepping back, uh, stepping away from it outside of your out of body experience and just looking at it from a overall perspective. Like, no, it's not me. It's you. (laughs) And then, and you can get more, um, I always encourage people, this is where you got to learn about your body too. Like, you know, if you're overeating after work on a Friday, one, you haven't eaten lunch in five hours, you're probably physically hungry. And then two, it's at the end of the week, your energy is low. And three, you're not giving yourself grace. Like you're going straight into studying or something after you got home from work. Like it makes sense that you're going to need some kind of energy and that can come through rest or through food. So don't beat yourself up for wanting to go for food. As soon as you, and then what happens is as soon as you start giving yourself that grace and that self-compassion, it's like, oh, my body really, like my body needed energy. Um, I didn't need to be so um, defeated or so like devastated about eating a bagel or whatever it is that you ate after work. Like yeah. you can remove that intense negativity And just look at the facts and say, okay, next time I know I'm going to feel this way on a Friday evening. Yeah. How can I set myself up for success? That's what I do now. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's what Lindsay tells you, like just track everything for the day right at the beginning of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I started doing that, I was like, okay, after I work out, I know I'm going to be hungry. Mm -hmm. So let's eat then. Um, And knowing like my hunger signals, I don't like going to bed hungry. So I'm going to have my last little protein shake, little like sweet treat, whatever it is, like at eight, nine o'clock. Yep. And because I do not want to go to bed hungry. Yeah. (laughs) That's the worst. I would be, uh, yeah, I'm not in a good mood. (laughs) I'm like, but that's what you're saying, right? Like just knowing your signals and yeah. But you're so good. This is what I want everyone to get to the point. It's like, it's like you understand your body you take care of your body like you take care of your cats oh yeah it's like your body needs it's it has its own impulses it, it needs food it needs to be needs water it needs rest but, and but you do not take your body's natural impulses personally 
Mm, yeah. Right? You're like, I don't, I'm going to be hungry at night. I don't like that. Let me take care of myself. Yeah. But a lot of people will say, no, I even though I'm going to be hungry, I'm going to Because you're not supposed it. to eat after nine o'clock. That's horrible for X, Y, Z. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so when their body kind of, when it backfires, because your, your body's always going to win people. I tell people this all the time. Like your yeah. nervous system's 500 million years old. You are on this planet for a hundred <laughs> years. You're not going to override or biohack anything. But when you work with your body, that's, that's when so you win. Funny. Yeah. That's so funny. That's a great way to put it. You're so right. Like, yeah. guys, we've been here for a long time. <laughs> we ain't fooling nothing. Yeah. Like, we share. It's literally nervous systems just talking to each other. Animals. Like, it's so... When you, like, detach yourself from what your body is going to want, it makes the intensity of negative emotions or the fear so... Like, the intense fear so much less... And that you're just not living that way anymore. You're not living in avoidance. You're yeah. living with acceptance and understanding and compassion. And that makes it so much easier to just enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, because that's what we're here for, to enjoy our lives. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's something I ask myself, too. It's like, okay, I'm going to go on this process. I'm going to you know, get to a healthier body weight, you know, things like that. But how can I still enjoy my life? Like, that's yeah. always been my mindset. It's like, I want this but also I want to have a good time. And that's obviously what we're all about here. But like, mm-hmm. that was always, even before all this, um, been my mindset of like, it was before I had all these tools in my toolbox, <clears throat> excuse me. It was like one or the other. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I would rather enjoy myself than deprive myself. So let's just enjoy myself. And well, that's it. <laughs> yeah. That's actually, I swear you must be related to this psychologist. What really? Okay. Well, like, <laughs> What you just said reminded me of what one of his initial questions was when he was like in his 20s or 30s and was getting into positive psychology or getting into optimism and studying learned optimism instead of learned helplessness. He was like, oh, he's like, he was, he was like, why do we have positive emotions? He's like, do we, because the big focus was on negative emotions. How do you avoid depression? How do you avoid anxiety? How do you avoid like, you know, all these other companies love that. Exactly. (laughs) But he's like, what is the point to our positive emotions? Why did we evolve with them? He's like, were they really, do we really only have, is the only purpose of positive emotions to help us avoid feeling less bad? Oh, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. And he's like, the answer is no. He's like, is there is a way to live the good life through using the positive emotions, which people, people don't, I think people don't think that's possible because in the greater, like, um, like, the world is very focused on the negative side of things. Yeah. So it really is an onus on, on you personally as an individual to say, no, I'm just going to choose positivity. And a lot of people are going to be like, well, that's not realistic. And you'd be like, well, then you keep li- living a miserable life. I'm going to be happy. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, I say that all the time. Like, you can stay over there. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's like if you start using your positive emotions and, um, start living from that way you're not even going to have those dreaded over like ruminating thoughts in your mind of food and calories and all this all the things that make you want to avoid social situations or avoid feeling bad that just doesn't even come up in your head at all and that's the freedom a lot of people want from Mm. diets and just rules and stuff just just i can see how i am with my personality is like very intense in general mm-hmm. uh, but when I encounter people who are pessimistic like, I can't do that because it's like I get to see how annoyed they are by me <laughs> because I, I just can't relate like I, I don't know how to communicate to them in a way that says like one you're wrong <laughs> 
and like no you don't have to think about it this way you we can still go do this thing um and have fun mm-hmm. and you don't have to whatever like whatever it is that you're trying to avoid mm-hmm. we, we can still go have fun like I've encountered that a lot with like friends want to want to go out and do something or have fun. Um, but they're just all in their pity parties or whatever it is. I'm just like, I, I don't know how to communicate to them to get them to do what I want. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, what, 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 give me some advice. So you're not wrong, but also yeah. they're not wrong. Yeah. So it's like, it's really, it comes down to a choice. However, and this may, this is probably, this is perfect actually that you brought this up because yeah. it's like, they probably don't want to be that way either because staying in a negative state, and I know this because I was binge eating for years, but like staying in like a negative pessimistic state, it's just not happy. And yeah. we have positive emotions. Like we're like things when it doesn't make sense that when we see people being happy and we're not, but we have the same resources, we're like, well, then what's wrong? Yeah. You know, so like I think unhappy people want to be happy. That's why they seek help and medication and all that. Um, but just because they're unhappy and you're happy, like you both believe you're right and you both are right. That's going to be whatever you believe is going to be your experience. But for someone like for me, I was pessimistic on a lot of things that I didn't think I was. I didn't want to be pessimistic about them. And so I had to actively take steps to change my perception, not just keeping like changing my thoughts, but actually taking action in the direction of a more optimistic um, I say take a more optimistic direction so that I've just got completely different results. Cause so for instance, actually, let me pull this book up. Um, if I thought, for instance, like, oh, I, I can never keep friends. That's very pessimistic. Mm-hmm. Where optimistic is, um, this friendship is probably not working. Oh, right. Yeah. Or, um, so and, and ways to to kind of start thinking that way because it didn't come naturally for me like it does for you would be reflection um and really thinking on a more gratitude kind of uh, having a more grateful perspective on things so being grateful for what i have for what i did have for people in my life and actually you know they give there's so much like i read a book by dr robert Eamons on gratitude and he says actually write a letter and give it to someone or just walk up to them and t- like read it to them no one's going to be, everyone's going to be in tears. That's always a good thing. But like gratitude really brings out the, not just the best in us, but really helps put that colorful, happy, Humanity. also true, exactly. <laughs> yeah. it, that's the lens we look at things through and that can be your life. And so another thing that you can do is not just like um, re- reflection and uh, doing more gratitude exercises or kind of like, um, not exercises, but like little things throughout your day, even like pausing and stepping outside and feeling the sun on your face and saying, man, I'm grateful for this moment. Anything. It sounds corny, but it's just because it's not yeah. as practiced as the pessimistic side yeah. of things are. <laughs> but um, another thing you can do is find out what your strengths are. Everyone has yeah. certain strengths and there is a test that I wish like... Is it the strengths finder? What's no, that that's a good one. Yeah. I do like that one. I but did there's that a long time ago. No, that is a good one. Actually, I'm glad you remember yeah. that one because I like that one too. That's what it's called, right? Yeah, Strengths Finder. Oh, the Clifton Strengths Finder. Clifton Strengths Finder. Yeah. That's right. I did that back in high school. Oh man, I can't remember what they were. I think one of them was like input, like like adding oh, input to things. Okay, that was the one I remember. <laughs> but what's the one you're talking about? 
Well, that one's that one's one actually. Like a, that one's a really good one. The other one is this one by um, Martin Seligman. I don't know if he wrote it, but it's in the University of Pennsylvania website. And it's for, it's free, but it helps you find your signature strengths or any. Sh- it helps you find out what your strengths are. So, for instance, my top strength is teamwork <laughs> and loyalty. Yeah, yeah. And so um, that's why I could not do a. I was a bad solopreneur, like a business oh. on my own. It's like this sucks so much. <laughs> but um, when I'm with a team, like that's where I come alive. That's where I can like I can bring a team together. I can help the team move forward, and that's just like my space. If I don't have a team, I'm unhappy. And right. so uh, another strength of mine, it said, was, um, shoot, what was it? I think it was like love of learning or something, which makes sense. If yeah, you know I would put, I would say that. <laughs> I don't need the test to know yeah. what that is for you. <laughs> I know, Caitlin's like, I mean, just looking at my books Obvious. Here, like, you brought books to a podcast recording. <laughs> no, I love books. I mean, yeah. I, I nerd out on books too, so. That's yeah. probably one of your strengths too, probably, I would bet. Yeah, what were your others? Do you remember? One was leadership also. Um, curiosity and then there was like a fourth one I can't remember like what they all were actually I got the order right here because <laughs> I add them in this app so my social intelligence was my third one leadership huh. was fourth curiosity and interest in the world was fifth and my top two were citizenship teamwork and loyalty and then my second one was love of learning citizenship uh, it says here, that? you excel as a member of a group. You are a loyal oh. and dedicated teammate. You always do your share and you work hard for the success of your group. That is so you. <laughs> yes, it's like I make sure that I am with a team in my life where I'm doing something for the team every single day. And if, if I don't have that in my day, it's just a, it's not a fun day for me. That makes sense. So if you find your strengths. It's like beauty, grace, Miss United States. <laughs> Yeah, okay, let's But if you find your strengths, you can apply that in <clears throat> moments where maybe saying no to wine is hard. But if you're using your strengths, it's not going to feel hard because you'll be happy. God, you're, okay. Full circle. This is great. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, so my strengths, obviously, I'm an optimist. Oh, yeah. That's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, as far as, like, strengths when those, like, terminology, like, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't think of citizenship as, like, a strength of a personality. You know what I mean? That's because... You know, There's that's multiple not, definitions of it. Like, well, it's like that's not what people want in business. Like people want the the grinder, the hustler, the type A. Yeah. So yeah. everyone tries to have that strength. Be like, oh, I'm a hustler too, but inside they're really just they love learning. Yeah. So they're not going to succeed or succeed the, the 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 typical you know surface level way that the maybe Western world at least views a strength. Yeah. I. Hey, yeah, hustling. I'm, I'm just a hard worker. I can be a hard worker, but I can also work hard, play hard. <laughs> but you work hard for your strength. Like I yeah. work hard for a team. Okay, yeah. you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I, input is one where I would also put that with being diplomatic. Mm-hmm. I'm really good at being diplomatic and like yeah. seeing both sides of a situation, like in an argument or especially if it has to do with me, that's really hard. <laughs> or like if I'm in an argument or something with my spot, I'm not married. Why did I say that? You know what I mean? With yeah. my partner um, and seeing both sides of it, that's really hard, but it's easier when it has to do with like another mm-hmm. thing. That's why like with politics, for example, I cannot stand politics because <laughs> I see both sides. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? I really do. And I'm not going to, 
like lean this way or lean that way. I'm, I don't know what I am. <laughs> and I don't want to get into that. But the diplomacy... Diplomacy? Diplomacy. <laughs> you should have seen my face when I said that. Why did that come out of my mouth? It's like as soon as you said it, you're like... I, and your eyes are like, I actually do know how to say that word. <laughs> just came out the word. Um, oh, I just thought of another good one. What was it? Um, input... Input diplomacy, diplomacy, <laughs> and then um, fairness or yeah, I'm a very fair person. I try to like make it level the playing fields, the balances of justice. Mm-hmm. Very good at that. Very good at bringing people off their high horse. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> Casey says that all the time. I'm like, dude, lay off. You make me sound horrible. And she humbles me like eight times a day. I'm like. I sound like a horrible friend. No, I'm so like it reminds me. We were out doing that pottery painting with Anna. Oh and, yeah, and like hi Anna. I know yeah. she's listening. <laughs> yeah. But we were like at towards the end, like we were talking about coming back here. Now you know you, you looked at like Anna, Casey, and me, and we were all like, oh, I want to do better next time. And you guys are even then you told us you're like, chill guys, we're just painting pots right now. Like, <laughs> It's not a competition. So I like I, I do need, remember that. Yeah, I need that kind of fairness for me because I'm not I wasn't being fair to myself. I was like, I wasn't enjoying this beautiful thing. I was was not pretty, but either way. Yeah. <laughs> the thing I was making, you're like, chill. Like yeah, this is a fun activity, guys. You know, because Anna, she's a definitely a perfectionist. Yeah. She's like, no, it has to be. She was like, start like by the time I was done with mine, she was done with one leaf. I'm like, bro, you gotta speed it up. <laughs> That's funny you remember that, because I do remember that. Um, <laughs> there was another strength I was thinking of. I can't... I, it, it lost my brain. I can't remember. You should find those or take the test take again. Take the test? Yeah. yeah I, I think we should Wait, what was that. what was the one called? There's the Clifton Strengths, the one that yeah. you, you're trying to recall. And then there's the... Um, this one on positive psychology is the character... It's called Character Strengths. So there are 24 of them, and it gives you, like, your top five. And as soon as you take it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's me. And you get really happy. You're like, I want to – I get to – and that's you what – You feel really good about yourself. You like, do. That is me. Yeah. yeah. And so a good life okay. really means living your days from – by using your strengths. And so apply that towards fitness, like, changes your whole journey. Okay, I'll take it. I'll put it in the show notes, too, if you guys want to mm-hmm. take either of those. Because yeah. it is good to learn about yourself. That's why I love the Enneagram mm-hmm. and all that. Um, that's my other ch- my other thing. I'm a challenger. Hmm. No. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It but is a strength. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds so, um, like, oof. Challenger? No one wants that. Like, <laughs> No one wants conflicts. Yeah, either. I do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm good in conflict. I'm really good at going toe-to-toe with people. Oh. Because my father loved that, but for the wrong reasons. Like, he would just create conflict just to get that intensity, that thrill. I'm pretty sure he's an eight, too, but (laughs) the less healthy eight. (laughs) Um, But that's that's a big characteristic of the type eights is, like, finding intensity like that in relationships. Where it's just like, what? Why? Like, this is pointless. I don't need to argue about this, but we just do it. It's just because (laughs) I don't, luckily... I know I'm not like that because I'm like I swear I'd never be like my father <laughs> yet I'm the most like him <laughs> but he would do that he would just have to create intense experiences intense like you know people would see it as an argument but really it was just a debate for him and he didn't care if he was right or wrong but he would always be right even if he was wrong oh this is so angry <laughs> sorry 
This is not Caitlin's therapy daddy issue session. <laughs> it's making me think of like my husband used to type nine and I'm a three and like teamwork. This is a like, cute combo. I love that. Sorry, go ahead. Well, it's like sometimes I'm like, let's go do stuff or like let's go succeed and excel and there, let there be glory in something. He's, he's like, like, let's go take a nap. Exactly. He's like, I just want to chill. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> he just like does not disturb the peace. I'm like, I want to disturb something. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go dig a hole with the dog. <laughs> so funny um but i need that in my life though yeah well it was just so funny because we always describe you as like grandma and like (laughs) where's the parking how's your traffic i'm like (laughs) so cute (laughs) but yeah call me next time you need to get out because yeah i can do that (laughs) uh all right is that everything yeah, I think that was really that good. That was really good. I'll put that stuff in the show notes so you guys can. Because I'm going to do this as we get done here. Oh, and sorry about the video, guys. It's going to be black. <laughs> I still want to publish it, though. Like, should I? Just have, like, a few frames just repeating, maybe. <laughs> but the audio be off. Oh. <laughs> um, we'll get it together. I'd rather the problems happen now mm. rather than later. But See, optimist. God, I need you around more often. <laughs> We're so cute. I'm so cute. No. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, thanks for listening in again, guys. Thank you, Nicole. Um, until next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the FFP Alignment Podcast. Please support us by downloading, rating, and recommending us to your friends and family. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at the Fit Femme Project. That's F-I-T-F-E-M-M-E Project. And for those of you looking to find their essential balance of lifestyle and fitness, book a free consult by going to thefitfemproject.com. That's F-I-T-F-E-M-M-E Project.com. And click apply now. Until next time. This is the FitFem Project Alignment Podcast.